Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Arseholics podcast. We've got a new host today. It's me, Aaron. And with me, I have got Mize. Mize, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Uh, yeah, shame we couldn't get Nero on today, having technical issues, but I guess the two of us would have to make it work. Yeah, given the events of this weekend, we did try to loop in the one and only Nero to make a special Category A appearance, because this is very much a Category A podcast. And um, unfortunately, the guy couldn't work his internet and had to drop out. But we will save that for the title celebration podcast, <laughs> which may or may not be coming. But before we kind of get carried away, we are going to recap an epic, epic game, an epic, epic weekend. So we're going to talk about the craziness that was Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2. But then to top that off, we are then going to discuss Liverpool 7, Man United 0. And then, if we've got time, we're even going to find a minute or two to maybe laugh about Tottenham Hotspur. So <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go all the way back to Saturday three o'clock, and actually, no, before we go to Saturday three o'clock, let's uh, let's go to about Saturday four fifty, ninety um, seventh minute. I think we've just got to talk about that Reese Nelson goal. We're gonna jump right into that because I think that's all anyone wants to talk about. Mice. What is what is your headline from from that moment? Like how how does that moment stack up for you in terms of what went down? Talk to me about how you felt, your reaction, what you remember of it. So we were both very privileged to be there in the North Bank, right in front of where it went down. Tell me, talk to me. It's hard to put it into words, man. Like I don't want to exaggerate it for people that either weren't there or if you don't support Arsenal. But like like you say, right, we, we're very privileged to get to go to watch Arsenal. And I think between the four of us, we always appreciate, you know, we, we, we're very appreciative of the fact that, we, you know, especially this season when you can't get a ticket, apparently, um, we're lucky to have our season tickets. But I think, you know, over the years, over how many years it's been, we've seen some some good moments, some special moments and some <laughs> some real dross. But I think this is the reason, you know, what happened on Saturday is one of the biggest reasons that we just go week in, week out, or as often as we can, basically, regardless of how well Arsenal are doing or how poorly they're doing, you know. And it's it's very, very... I mean, I don't really know how to put it into words, which doesn't help, considering we're on a podcast to talk about it. But um, it's it was just... It was just... a. I mean, for me, it was very, very special. It was, it was extremely emotional. And again, that might sound like a bit, you know, like exaggerated. But genuinely, I think after what happened, well, after what's happened with Arsenal over the last kind of how many years it's been and what's happened with Arsenal under Arteta and kind of like this journey that we, we're on and now we're in a position where we could actually go on and win the league, maybe, and how kind of how I don't know how kind of invested we are all are in this team and in this manager and we're on the verge of something potentially really really special and then just then you add into that like every game feels big every game feels emotional but then you add into that you know what happened in the second half and the fact that we were 2-0 down and we were able to come back um and 
yeah, it was just, I mean, it was just crazy. Like, I mean, the actual scenes in the, in the ground itself and where we were, or just the entire ground and the fans was, I mean, like mental, mental scenes. Everyone was everywhere. You know, as soon as the ball hit the back of the net, you know, we're all on top of each other. You're, you're up and down the aisle, hugging people and like jumping on people that you've probably never, ever like even interacted with before um you know and like i don't i saw a couple of people basically in tears i was on the verge of tears and i said the same thing after the united game the at the end of the united game it was it was emotional and it was it was like oh my god how has that just happened has that just happened what the hell has just happened and it felt like that on saturday but probably even more so because it was an even later winner it was from a player that you know i mean to be honest at the time i don't even know if i knew who scored but it was from a player who you know you wouldn't expect to be scoring the winner. Um, it's just, mate, it was just a, a raft of emotions. It, just such a roller coaster, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Uh, so my 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 perspective from this was obviously like the winner went in, and then so for context, like I sit, we sit in the north bank behind the goal where it went in. You sit, um, sorry, seven or eight rows back. I sit a row behind you guys, right? Yeah, and I remember the goal going in. And then it was just absolute pandemonium. And then when I kind of just came to my senses, I was in front of both of you. <laughs> yeah, which I didn't even realize. Was like, Raj was like, I had no idea how. I was like, how have I ended up in a row below where I was? Because I think I must have just like everyone bundled on top of each other. And then I must have gone over to hug you guys, and then someone must have pulled me. I think I might have accidentally like kicked Raj in the face on my way down, and. Yeah. The and then I, all I remember is looking onto the pitch. And then I thought there was a pitch invasion because I could see like a million people on the pitch. I didn't realize like it took me a minute to realize like oh it's literally you know the club doctor, the staff. I remember apparently Arteta high fived a small child before realizing like oh man there's a small child on the pitch. I should probably do something about it. Um, it was utter utter chaos. And then the emotion hits you. And then you're like, oh my God, we've won this in the 97th minute. And we're like, we're still alive because I think, look, let's be real. If we had thought, if someone told us when we we're doing the preview for this podcast, look, we're going to win this. And when we win, when we beat Bournemouth, we're going to be on the verge of tears of happiness. <laughs> I think people would have just uh, maybe said, you need to get your heads checked. But look, the result. The like the result, how we got there. We'll talk about that, but just the outpouring of emotion. Because I think for me, I think after the Everton game, we you know that was us level on points with City, and for me, it was almost like this is the start of the running now. Um, well, we're going to go week in, week out. City are going to play. We're going to play. City are going to play. We're going to play. I know they've got like a week off where they're probably going to then have a game in hand, but from now until the end of the season, it's going to be like. You win, we win, you win, we win. And we're going to be in this, on this roller coaster for a while. And if we had dropped points at what I felt like the, was the first hurdle, that would have been a bit of a, a bit of a disappointment, especially to Bournemouth, right? So to get, it's really, really hard to explain. I think other fans probably looking at us thinking like, what is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> why, why do you think it's so special? Like, why do you think it, it meant so much. Well, I think part, I think we both touched on it, but I think 
it's I think when you when you look there's a potential chance that when we look back at certain moments at the end of the season that along with Jorginho scoring the winner at Villa Park along with Eddie scoring the winner against United in the last minute you know there's certain moments that it feels like we might look back on and they may be the moments where you know they were defining in our season and and if we do go on to win the league then of course those three points that you know the, those two extra points that we've just just managed to get at the death will potentially be the deciding factor and i think that's part of it i think like i said before you know there's been this journey especially in the ground right we we talk about it almost every episode after we you know after we play at home and we record and we talk about the match we always mention the fans. We always mention the atmosphere this season and probably last season, but especially this season. And we always mention, you know, okay, we went one nil down, but then the fans within about five or 10 seconds, you know, there's the initial kind of like, oh man, what the hell? And then, you know, the fans are backing the players. They're backing the player that made the mistake. You know, they're chanting straight away. They go, you know, they're trying to bring the team back up basically. And I think, when you start as a fan, when you start really investing in a group of players, you know, obviously everyone loves Arsenal. We all love Arsenal. We're all Arsenal fans. We all love the club. And that's, you know, that's goes without saying. But I think there's just something special about this team and this, um, you know, yeah, just just the, cl- the club. I think the club have, hooked, have brought us in um, by doing all of the right things. They brought in a manager that you can fully get behind. They brought in players that are so kind of likeable, um, you know, and players that have been performing at a seriously, seriously high standard, which makes it really easy to get behind them. And I think as a result, you know, you kind of just ride that, you ride the, you know, the, the match up and downs or the up and downs for a season, you you ride that as a fan as well, much more. And I think that the stakes are so high now, like you say, right? It's, I mean, for me, it doesn't necessarily feel like the running yet, but I know what you mean. And like you say, City had won earlier in the day. So it was like, if we hadn't have won, if we had a drop point in a game like Bournemouth at home, it, it would have been probably come the end of the season really costly. So um, I think that's probably part of it as well, right? Like just knowing what it meant to get the three points and then move on to the next. And we're now like ticking off the games, basically. So it's like three points is just... Is, that's we just need to get the three points now, right? For every game, obviously, it sounds an obvious thing to say, but I guess what I'm trying to say is performances don't necessarily matter as much as the result, if you know what I mean. As we get closer and closer to the end of the season, um, but yeah, I mean, like like you say, mate, it's very hard to explain. But I think if you speak to anyone, like if you watch any kind of reaction video or not reaction video, but like there's obviously people that put stuff up on on social media, right? pictures videos youtube whatever i think if you go through that everyone had the same like just like what the hell just happened type of you know kind of reaction to it all and it and it's very it is very hard to put into in, into words but like man like I, I don't know how if that happens again because it's happened a few times this season and if it happens again i mean i'm not really sure man. like we were all just like couldn't believe, could not, could not believe how the way that game ended. Um, you know, two nil down with what half an hour to go, and I don't care who you're playing. It doesn't matter who you're playing, right? It's very like we every every Premier League game, you know, is tough. Every Premier League game is tough, and two nil down at home, even if it's to Bournemouth, it's still fucking unbelievable to have come back the way we did. And yeah, I mean, look, to win it like that, if you're going to win a game, um, you know, it's just amazing. But like I said, I, I don't know how we as fans are going to are going to deal with it um, if it keeps happening. 
yeah you talk about all those all those clips i think i've watched that goal in about 15 different languages um reactions from all over the world um i saw some guys in cambodia jump into a swimming pool like bars in the us <laughs> um people in australia watching it at 3 a.m it was you know like like i said we're very lucky to watch it in the ground and we were just like oh my god but i can imagine watching that on tv equally if i was watching that on tv i think i would have just run out of the house yeah. celebrating it was absolutely mental and and aravind has got a question and please do keep the questions coming and you know if you are listening and you're watching and you haven't liked or subscribed or given us a comment please do so because we we really do appreciate it um so aravind asks would you say that that was the biggest moment of the Emirates era since Arshabin's goal versus Barca? So I'll tell you what I, I'll tell, I know what I think, but I think you should go first. What would you um, so, I mean, look, a lot of people, you're, maybe you're going to say this, is going to say uh, Welbeck against Leicester. I wasn't there for that game. I was on holiday. I was abroad. So I can't, I mean, obviously I know it would have been crazy, but I can't say how crazy it was and, and, and compare it because I wasn't there. Um, oh my God, I'm trying to think now of... <laughs> On the last bit, you know what? It's like it's kind of weird to say this. Lacazette against Wolves last season was pretty bonkers, but no, it doesn't. It, that, that doesn't compare to what happened on Saturday. This this was this was big. This this felt this felt different to Arshavin. Arshavin was just uh, that that goal. That Did you night, go? Were you there for the Arshavin game? Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't where we yeah. sit now. I was in the upper tier. Yeah, um, I was in the upper tier. And I guess that's a different experience as well. Like, you know, for people who haven't been to games, it's if you've been to a game, sorry, you'll know what I mean. But just, you know, sitting in the upper tier and sitting yeah. in the lower tier and it's two two different experiences. But um that was that felt, you know, that again, that was extreme. That was special. That was it felt like a moment, but I don't know. I think, yeah, I mean, I can't think I mean honestly, I can't actually think of anything else. So probably probably what I don't know if it's necessarily the biggest moment, but I would say it's what's the word what's the word it was just like i said it just felt very special and very it was very emotional it was very very emotional and that's i don't know that's the only words i could yeah. really use to describe i think for me categorically i have never celebrated a goal like that in my life mm. honestly um there's there's sorry, one more goal sorry sorry to sorry to cut you off mate there's just one more goal but it wasn't at the emirate so fa cup final um this was during this was so the whole whole game um Ramsey scoring the winner oh, yeah. trophy drought so me and Raj were there and that was I mean it wasn't the Emirates so fair enough but that was like that was something else because you know extra time winner at Wembley after being 2-0 down in that game as well funnily enough yeah um and you're winning a trophy and it was Wenger like you know um well not after so, yeah, nine, so that, nine years or something something how big was, I can't even remember how long it, it was yeah it was a painful time yeah I remember that was quite emotional um but yeah for me certainly i wasn't there for that for me certainly in the ground i've never seen the emirates like that in the games that i've been there but i wasn't there for leicester i wasn't there for the barcelona game um the only again i wasn't there for this but the only other goal that i remember being pretty crazy was the Henri. oh it's a couple actually the Henri comeback against leeds that was, that was but that was different that wasn't that wasn't um it wasn't a big goal it was like an a a momentous goal like it wasn't a big goal in the context of our season no right? it was yeah it was a big yeah. goal in the context of Henri and for for the fans um and then i remember the Henri goal the one he scored the header against man united that felt like a big one as well 
But oh, yeah. for me, this was certainly this season by far the loudest I've ever seen the Emirates. Um, like the Eddie Nketiah goal against Man United, that was late. But actually, I didn't celebrate that because I thought it was offside. But, um, but that that was good. But certainly this one was far, far louder, far crazier because it was a 97th minute. Like when was the last time we scored a 97th minute winner? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, definitely one of the, so far, one of the biggest goals that I've ever celebrated, especially if we go on to do this, people will look back at that as, you know, one exactly. of the defining goals of this season. Yeah. And hopefully there'll be many more, but no, fingers crossed it, it leads on to something good. And, you know, we've gone all this, spoken about this goal for so long, but we haven't actually spoken much about the player, right? So Reese Nelson, a goal and an assist. I think that puts him on something like three goals, two assists, which is more than Anthony for Man United has done, more than Richarlison has done. Um what everyone's got everyone's got more. Yeah. Than yeah. What um how do you think Reese Nelson's feeling now? Like what where does this put him in the squad? I mean, in terms of the rest of the season, I like he's potentially just going to be a very, very useful player for like from an Arsenal perspective. I think he could just potentially be a very, very useful player for us for the rest for the rest of the season for the run in. When you think that you know the Europa League is probably going to be where he's going to start games as long as we're in that competition, and clearly, you know. Arteta's using him as an impact sub in in like league games, right? Or you know, I know he's not come on very often, but when we need him, he seems like to be seems to be one of the go to guys. Um, I think he's still probably quite far down the pecking order when you think of who would be available if everyone's fit. But I don't think he'll be unhappy with being a, an impact player, considering you know, like there's been a lot of Arsenal players over the last few years, and even Hale End players that just haven't really made it. Not not so much they haven't made it, but either we've cashed in on them or, the, yeah, they haven't made it. You can think of Maitland-Niles and you think of like Joe Willock, for example. So I don't, I can't think of, considering he was probably no, he's not like, I, he's not really anywhere near the first team. Like it's not like uh, there's going to be a game where Arsenal might rest Saka and bring, bring Nelson in, in the Premier League. It's not going to happen, right? But I think if you're Reese Nelson, you must be pretty happy to just be the guy that, Arsenal turn to or Arteta turns to if we need something different if we need um a goal or if we you know whatever if we, if we yeah basically if we need a goal or if we're, yeah, if we're not mean, winning a game you look at you talk about the packing order the irony is he was probably only on the bench because Eddie Nketiah was injured mm. otherwise he probably doesn't even make the bench yeah um, and he's come on now he and he he changed the game he obviously won it for us and he got the assist for Ben White's goal as well that wasn't the best, think, as in, like, I don't no, think it was... Like I know what you mean. Cross, but no, but yeah, okay, yeah. if he doesn't cross it, we, we don't get the goal, no, 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 right? No, no, yeah, of course. Um, I'm just saying it wasn't a cross. And he, cross, he, but... Yeah, and he generally looked pretty lively when he came on, right? Like, I think he... Yeah, yeah he, did. he did. And he, you know, he did the same against Forrest, where he, he got, got the goals, changed the game. And I think for any any player who's on the periphery of our squad, like, he is exactly what we want our subs to do come on, be hungry, have an impact off the bench. And look, you're right. He's, is he going to get 
a starting 11 place ahead of Saka? Probably not. But look, there could be a horrific situation where Saka just isn't available for a game or two. Hopefully yeah. no longer than that. And we need someone who is able to just deliver. And look, Reece Nelson, like, he goes back so long for us because, <laughs> you know, for so long he has been the one. Like, before Saka, before Nketiah, before Smith Rowe, before Martinelli, we were all hyping Reese Nelson as the the new like yeah I don't know who but the new like king of the academy um, he was he was always the one that's gone on yeah. to become basically exactly and you know, for whatever reason he's had injuries had loan spells that haven't really worked out and times where we thought he was going and he and he just hasn't really found a move and I think he's out of the con- out of contract at the end of the season I think right I believe so. But, between now and then, like, you know, what? even if he leaves at the end of the season, if we go on and win a trophy, he is now kind of, yeah, you know, his name will be remembered forever in terms of cult, this season. Cult hero status, really. Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, look, he's, he's done well. I think he's done more than most players have off the bench. Right. So, yeah, I think he deserves a chance. I, I really want to see him succeed. And if he can get, look, I think it's unlikely he'll get a new contract because, you know, we've spoken about this before in terms of we're going to need to move some players on to make room for additions in the squad. But if he can continue to just chip in with goals and assists off the bench, I'd be really, really happy with him just staying another year and just seeing if he can finally realise his potential. I think we've got the Europa League coming. For me, I think he deserves to start that game. And mm. if we're going to bring on someone off the bench, you look at who we've got bring coming off the bench now. Like Nketiah has his moments, but we've got Smith-Rowe, who probably still wasn't fully fit. We've got Vieira, who for me is still a struggle to make an impact. And then we've got Nelson, who's come off the bench and got goals and assists. And I think out of anyone, he deserves a chance to to be one of those first-choice subs coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, what I really like about Nelson is he's never he's never come across as a player that sort of let his head drop. Like even when he, so when he gets a chance, he comes on and he backs himself. You know, he's, he 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 feels it feels like he's just he backs himself and he's got confidence to try something. You know, even the shot. I mean, look, and it's, it's all in hindsight, but the the shot that the the goal that wins the game. Obviously, he's going to shoot from there. But I I, I wonder if say a Vieira, for example, if that comes out to him, he's probably not massively high on confidence does he definitely shoot and and it's not just that it's the execution of the shot as well right it's a fan i mean the, the first touch is pretty bad like he gets lucky um because yeah. he manages to trap the ball somehow or you know it lands quite nicely for him after a pretty bad first touch but then the shot on his weaker foot i believe you know it's an absolute yeah, arrow left. um through a yeah bunch it just of sits players. up yeah you're right and it sits up perfectly but i think you're right i think Smith Rowe was on. I don't think he takes that. Maybe Smith Rowe does. I don't think Vieira takes that first time. I think, and the finish, he puts it exactly where it needs to go. And we had the best view of it going in, right? And you're right. I didn't, when it went in, I didn't think that was Reese Nelson. You know, I thought, I don't know who that was, but I would not have assumed Reese Nelson had done that. No, you wouldn't. wouldn't. But this is what I'm saying. He's 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 always like you said before, right? He came through with a reputation of being kind of one of the next big, you know, products of our academy. And like you say, again, it hasn't really worked out for him. I think he had a really good loan spell in Germany, 
But since he came back, it just hasn't really worked out. But like, yeah, I'd be happy for him to to get a chance. But I think it's really he's probably going to get that chance in the Europa League. You know, it's probably a very obvious thing to say, right? I think he's going to start on Thursday. And um, but yeah, let's see. Like, like hopefully he's just a really useful player in the squad from now until the end of the season. If we can rely on players like that, like that's what you need. Like you need that in the situation that we're in where there's going to be tight games, there's going to be games where maybe Saka's not quite on it or whatever, you know, and we just need something different um, from from players off the bench. And if we can rely on him, then yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, right. We spent about 25 minutes talking about one <laughs> beautiful, beautiful goal. Um, so we ended there. So let's, let's talk about the, the rest of the game. And there, there was a lot going on. And rather than go incident by incident, what was your... What was your kind of key takeaway from the game in terms of the performance? Do you think to go 2-0 down, do you think we played badly at, to go 2-0 down? Like how, because I mean, to go 2-0 down to Bournemouth at home is something has to go wrong. Like how, how, why, why did that happen? So, I mean, I'm not sure if it's necessarily my takeaway from the game, but defensively, the lapses in com- concentration is basically is basically what's costing us or has cost us uh sorry cost us the two goals on saturday but i think that is probably the biggest worry um but we're conceding goals at the moment you know i know we had a kept clean sheet against everton and leicester but when we concede goals it feels like we're conceding a couple um mm. and obviously the first i mean the first goal is just like i don't know i'm not really sure what you put that down to but that for me just feels like we've come out and unusually for us we're just not like switched on just not switched on at all and it, and it's again it's lack lack of concentration and similarly for the goal the the corner that we concede from i mean like defending what de- the defending is awful right? defending is absolutely awful um but i think his party just lo- leaves his man lets his man go um and it's pretty much a free header and it's, you know, pretty straightforward from Bournemouth's perspective. And it's just really, really poor defending from us. So like, I know that hasn't, you know, I'm not criticizing this team or this defense because I think generally this season we've been pretty good, but you know, I guess one of the takeaways is I think you, obviously we're not going to be able to keep going one nil down or two nil down and coming back, you know, we've done it against Villa. We've done it against, um, we've done it against United one nil down. We've done it against, uh, Bournemouth the other day but if you keep doing that it's going to you know I don't know that I I have faith in this team coming back when we go a goal down but you don't want to be in that situation like for majority of your games going into when you're trying to win a league basically so that's something that we absolutely have to have to deal with and like also even at 1-0 Ramsdale makes a bloody quality Huge quality save, save. massive massive yeah. save and 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 i think just on ramsdale like, i think there's been a couple of incidents you know he ramsdale gets a fair bit of he doesn't really get stick from arsenal fans or, or but i think people are waiting for ramsdale to make a mistake and then they can sort of say oh yeah like you know he's a young keeper and blah 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 and pickford's better as england's number one or whatever like you know i feel like people are, are, are kind of just waiting in the wings to, to to make a comment when ramsdale makes a mistake but ultimately for a keeper that's his age and plays out from the back the way that we want him to and he can do that you know he's got loads basically i guess the point i'm trying to make is there's so many positive attributes that he's got but one of the things that i've been so impressed with him in the last few games because i think there's been a couple of in, couple of situations is like his concentration so i've talked about lacks lacks lapses of concentration or a lack of concentration from the defenders but he considering that basically bournemouth i can't remember, i don't think they had that many kind of chances to be switched on 
um, and in the right position for that breakaway chance that they had in the first half when they were already already one new up like there's really really impressive like that's what elite keepers do and like i say he's bailed us out a couple of times this season definitely a couple of times in the last few games i think there was one against villa maybe i can't remember yeah, that. i think for the last two or three games he's made some consistently above average saves where yeah. actually you know an average keeper probably lets one of one or two of those in and you know on their own, you say, oh, maybe Ramsdale, you know, has done his job there. He's just done what you expect him to do. But to consistently keep those out in those big, big moments where usually if they score that, I mean, I know they did go then go on to get a second goal. But if they scored that relatively quickly after that first goal, I think it could have killed us. And against Villa, there was a couple of saves where um, if some of those go in, it's a very, very different result. And we we do the good thing is yes we are coming back but we are hanging on in some of those games where teams haven't been able to kill us off and a huge part of that is because Aaron Ramsdale is just keeping us in these games during the big moments I think you're completely right I think he still goes under the radar the fact that the team at the top of the league has an English goalkeeper who can't get into the international team as a number one is for me crazy the fact that it's, it doesn't seem like it's even close at the moment where Pickford still seems to be the clear English number one. For me, again, it's crazy. Um, so, so yeah, I am, I think he does deserve a, a lot of praise. And I still think he's very, very underrated because you'd, you'd, you can just see like Sky Sports doing their team of the season and Ramsdale not getting in it, even though for me, he's been one of the best keepers of the league. Um, we'll probably go to um, Nick Pope, won't it, I guess. Well, depending on yeah. how the rest of the season goes. But yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. So, but then, yeah, back to the defensive errors. Um, mm. So we saw Tommy Asu come off at, at half time, And I was, when I found out Tommy Asu was starting, I thought, actually, this was a good game for him, right? So we rotated at the start. We, put, we played Tommy Asu, we played Vieira. And it yeah. looked like it would be a good game for rotation. But yeah, Tommy Asu didn't really have the best game, I think. Historically, I've always thought it was pretty close between Ben White and Tommy Asu. But mm. I think today we saw a big, big difference in the two and their levels. What do you think? I think he had a bit of an off game. Like, I think Tommy Asu's generally been pretty dependable for us. Like you say, you know, his first choice right back last season. And yeah, I don't think he's ever really let us down as such. But I mean, look, it made sense. I think if you're looking, if you're looking, if you're Arteta and looking at the fixtures we've got coming, it made complete sense to rotate a little bit. Obviously, you know, we're going to a period now where it's basically two games a week. Um, so we're going to have to sort of use the squad a bit more. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think he was, I don't think he was like terrible. I don't think he was terrible, but I think, I think, I said to probably you and Raj um, during the first half, we, we should, I think Ben White should probably come on because Ben White going forward does offer the overlap, you know, over past Saka. He can cross. You said it before the game, I think, you know, he's a better crosser than um, uh, Tommy Asu. And probably just in terms of like, when you think about how Saka gets doubled up a lot, if you've got Ben White, drawing a defender away from Saka, that's obviously just going to help when it comes to us trying to unlock a defence. And we're, you know, ultimately trying to unlock a defence that is one nil up and are just going to sit in, right? They're just going to sit in and try to resist um, 
us scoring a goal basically or us breaking breaking them down so it was a a sub that made sense i'm not really too worried about it like in the sense i'm not really like super worried about tommy ass's performance i don't like i said i don't think he was that bad um but it was just a sub that made sense when we were trying to do something a little bit different to 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 sort of crack the bournemouth defense yeah yeah and we saw trossard unfortunately limp off with an injury and smith rowe comes on and then um Smith Rowe eventually gets taken off for Reese Nelson. I reckon that's did, probably fitness yeah. related rather than anything else. I think so. What do you think? As in, do you think as he in, had a bad he's game? not. No, 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 no. I don't think he had a bad game. I, I think it's quite hard as well. Like, well, so I don't think he had a bad game, but as in when you say fitness, do you think he picked up another injury or he just didn't, doesn't have enough minute? He doesn't have enough in the tank to. I think it's, I think it's probably that. I think he, it's one of those where he's. We've probably earmarked him for Europa League on Thursday. I think he played uh, the under twenty ones on Monday, if, like a week week before that. He was obviously on the bench on Wednesday. Um, and- As in, you could you could argue. Sorry to interrupt, but you could argue then if you know. So if you're bringing uh, Smith Rowe on, I don't know how many minutes. Three thirty minutes was it? 20? I don't know how many minutes it was. Less than that, I think um, it was about fifteen minutes in, wasn't it? Okay, fine. So, and you know that he's not going to last the entire game. Wouldn't you just bring on Reese Nelson from fifteen minutes or whenever Trossard gets injured? Like, I don't know. Just that does seem a little bit weird because that feels like it's a pre-planned yeah. sub unless he's picked something up in the game. I think yeah, it's an interesting one. I think he, I think the the thought was like we need who can do Trossard things right because what we're asking Trossard to do there is effectively play what you can call false nine or that role of like interlinking with Martinelli, moving left, moving right and covering a lot of space and making a lot of runs. And what it looked like happened after that was Martinelli went up front and Will Smith Rowe went out left. And for whatever reason, the, I think it was thought that with those two on the pitch, they could try and get close to that at least. And, I don't think it worked that well. The intensity was there. The movement was there. But look, I think we were already putting a lot on Trossard to do Gabriel Jesus things, um, to try and get Smith Rowe or Martinelli to do those things. Just meant I think we lost a lot in those forward positions in terms of kind of just that experience and they were they gave it a good go, but I felt like actually we we put a lot and asked a lot on Smith Rowe. And I think maybe just we were like, just give it what you've got for 50, 60 minutes and then we'll take you off if we need to. Because I think at that point, he looked at his bench and thought, who is the closest player I've got to Trossard? Yeah. And I think he just went Smith Rowe. Maybe it was a bit of a panic. And I was very, very worried when he came on, actually, because I was like, this is going to completely kill our shape, kill our movement. And thankfully, I've heard that Trossard should be fit for the weekend. He might miss the Europa League, but that I'd be very concerned if actually Trossard was out for a while and Nketiah was out for a while with obviously Jesus being sidelined for some time. But, you know, getting Jesus back is is just so important because I think we have gone, we've gone through like a huge part of our season, some very, very difficult games and we're still five points clear. And that's a huge testament to the team and Ketia, Trossard and just Arteta for making it work. But I do feel like we are stretching some of those forward players yeah. to the limit in terms of what they can do. Yeah, it's, it's this kind of period of the season, isn't it? When your squad starts to 
you, you need to start using your squad a bit more. Injuries are going to start coming in. It's going to happen. We just have to hope and pray that it's not, you know, like you say, if Trossard's back pretty soon, then that's amazing because we're going to need him. Um, and he settled in so quickly. And similar with it, similarly with Eddie, like, I mean, yeah, Jesus is hopefully back soon, but there's no guarantees he's going to come in in a game or two's time and he's just going to hit the ground running. It's probably going to take, I don't know, actually, it's Gabriel Jesus at the end of the day. Maybe not. Maybe he will. He will just come in and and it will just be like he never left but you're going to have to assume that it might take a game or two or a couple of weeks so then you know yeah and yeah we are looking a little bit light now if there's problems for Fulham on Thursday and uh, sorry on, on Sunday and I know we're going to talk about Fulham afterwards but yeah we, we're potentially looking a little bit light up front so that is something to be worried about but yeah good news if a Trossard's injury is not too bad yeah I think like I said it's I kind of feel like it's the start of the running and like you said when you're in the running, it doesn't matter how well you play anymore. It doesn't matter how you win. You just need to get over the line. And, you know, we're going to, unfortunately for our kind of our hearts, we're going to be put through some stress in these coming few months. Um, hopefully a few more last minute winners. Of course, I'd love to win four or five mil. I think we were talking before the game, like this is a game for the goal difference. <laughs> to yeah. get four, to no, get I five or six yeah. yeah um and it was uh nothing like that um and fair play to Bournemouth but I mean look we don't like to moan too much about referees this game but I don't think the referee had a great game I thought probably should have had at least one penalty but yeah. fair play at least he did the job of adding on a decent amount of time and didn't fall for that much of the time wasted. Because it does seem like, I don't know how this comes across on TV. I've definitely seen it on social media, but the time wasting at the Emirates is crazy nowadays. Right? It seems like every team, even City, when they came here, tried to waste time. And yeah. it just seems that referees aren't adding these on properly. But on Saturday, at least the referee had the, you know, I want to praise him because he was doing his job. But he added on what seemed like the right amount of time. Yeah, I mean it's pro- probably partially our fault for keep we keep going behind. So if we just stop doing that, <laughs> stop doing that, <laughs> yeah. and start winning, start scoring earlier, then we won't have to worry about it. But yeah, yeah, I mean the I mean just on the referee, I don't, like, I don't want to talk about it too long, but and thankfully we won. But it's it is a bit worrying. It is a bit worrying because there was what four contentious decisions, and I'm not saying every single one of them should have gone our way, but you know. Um, I don't even think I've watched replays of them properly because I just you just keep watching the Reese Nelson goal over and over again. But <laughs> yeah, I've got no you know, time for like, I think if if it had ended up two two or we'd lost, we'd be look we you know they they would be, they would be getting analysed nonstop. Um, uh, there are a couple of things, right? So their goal from like I don't want to moan too much about it because I think it was actually bloody when you when you score a goal after eleven seconds, you got to take your hat off to the team for like just going for it and having the audacity to even try it, but. It looked like they had a couple of people in our half when they kicked off. And then certainly I thought there was definitely a foul on Tomiyasu. I think it was a few of the handball calls were pretty marginal, but certainly the one on Tomiyasu for me looked like a penalty. But look, we're not going to, you know, this Saturday was not about the referee. The story wasn't about referee. The story was about Reese Nelson, the fans, the players, the reaction, the celebration, the delight. We got the three points and we move on. 
Um, quick question from Aravind again. Aravind, thank you for your questions. Um, oof, I'm not sure I want to answer this one. Um, at what point would you say the title is ours to lose? Are you asking me? Oh my god! I'm asking um, you because I don't know, man. Like I've not even thought about. I'm not even thought this far ahead. When is it? I mean, it's ours to lose now, really. I, I, like you know, it's 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 ours to lose in the sense that we don't have to rely on anyone else to do anything right for us. We don't need any favors. We don't need, you know, we don't need city to drop points in a certain game. We don't need to go to the Etihad and win. Well, we might do come the time that game comes around, but you know, right now as things stand. So, so really I'd say it's, it's now, like, I think, you know, if you'd asked me this question, say a couple of months ago or just around the world, you know, just after the world cup, I probably would have had a very different answer in the sense I would have said, Oh, you know, last couple of games or whatever. But, but now, you know, Everyone has to accept, or not accept, but I think realization is, and I'm sure that, you know, of course, Arteta and the players know it as well. We are in with a serious shout of winning this league. Um, and the only way we don't win it now is if it's not if, because City could go on and win, you know, I, I don't know, let's say there's 36 points left to play. They could go and get 30, 31, 32, 33 points, but that still might not be enough for them. So it all ultimately it comes down to how consistent Arsenal can be. It's going to be super tough. It's going to be really difficult. But if we can, yeah, if we can take it game by game, which is, you know, the, the age old saying, but if we can, then, um, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's ours to lose right now, to be honest. What do you recommend? Yeah, I think, look, if City go on, what do you say? There's 12, 13 games left. If City go on and win 13 out of 13, then I think yeah. you kind of have to just... Uh, take your hat off and just applaud them because no matter how good we are, I don't think we'll ever be capable of going on a winning a thirteen going on a thirteen game winning run. But do you do you, at the end do of you the think season, City right? are capable of that? Capable of that this season? Are they capable of it? Yeah, I think they are yeah. certainly capable of it. This this season, um, you'd say you'd say yeah. Even this that. season, I think they're a, they're a bloody good team. They can beat anyone. They've beaten us at our place. There's nothing. They're going to go into every single game favourites to win, right? And whenever they drop points yeah they have you know fallen below their own standards and look the chances are they get a bit distracted they've got other you know concerns on the champions league where we really want them to go far in that competition they might have an injury or two hopefully they have an off day where they do drop a few points and then if they do start if they lose maybe one game drop another two points it's five points um, essentially that's we've got to drop ten, 10 points then from now until the end of the season and that's when I start to get a bit more confident the fear I have is looks I think City are capable of literally winning every game between now and the end of the season if they wanted to and I don't think we have it in us to be perfect we're going to need City to give us a little bit more leeway I think is my gut feel given, given the fixtures that we have. So we've got a little kind run now, right between now and I think middle of April where we've got Fulham, then I've got palace and then Leeds, I think. Um, now I really expect us to win those three games. It's then when we start to go away to Anfield, when we've got to go to away to Man City, I think we've got to go to Newcastle. We've got to play Chelsea at home. That April run is going to be very, very tough. If we come out of that run in April, I think Newcastle away is the last one. If we come away from that, then I think we've got, I was tempted to say 
Brighton Forest Wolves to finish. And I think those two, yeah, last two are definitely right. I'm not sure about Brighton, but yeah, possibly. Yeah. So that's when I can then see the light at the end of the tunnel. But honestly, mate, if we, even after we've won it, I still, I'm going to say that I don't think we can win it <laughs> because um, I just uh. like, we've never been, we haven't been like, it's been 20, 25 years since we've been in this situation. Like I know there was that Leicester season where we thought we'd come close, but this feels different and mm. it feels good because I think we know we've got a team that can do it. But I think the scars of last season and Gary Neville says this and people, you know, it's, rip him for this but what he says is, is is right like we haven't yet shown that we are capable of handling the running right and yes there were exceptional circumstances last season but we had it in our hands to get top four last season and for a number of reasons mainly because Partey got injured but and we didn't have the squad but we we couldn't handle it and this is still a very young team and I hope they've learned, but we don't know. I mean, yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a good point because it's easy to kind of almost forget what happened at the end of last season. But I guess, you know, one is one, two, two points I'll just make, which you, which you know already, but you know, just to make them, I guess one is they would have learned from that, obviously. um, And Arteta would have made sure they've learned from that. Um, And you have to kind of go through those experiences as a young team to kind of, understand how painful that is um and i guess the other thing is we've added serious like seriously experienced players that are winners when you think of jesus zinchenko Jorginho. um so that you know those players could i'm not saying that necessarily means we win the league but they could be the difference in they could be the difference and hopefully they're the ones that push us kind of over the line if if, if you know what i mean so yeah I mean, it's still such a long way to go. That's the, that's the hard thing, isn't it? It's like this, like it could literally change within two games, two game weeks. We drop some points, City win a couple of games, and they're on top, and then we're chasing, and then it's a whole different thing. So, game by game. Yeah. Um, speaking of going game by game, we have to talk about what was what we saw yesterday, which was Liverpool seven, Manchester United nil. Which is really surprising because I thought after Manchester United beat some reserve teams to win the League Cup <laughs> that they were back. They were back and that the Ten Hag era has begun. If this is what the Ten Hag era has to offer, I'm all for it, mate. I'll tell you that. <laughs> what where do we start? What what do you do you wanna do we just wanna spend the next twenty minutes laughing? We could do that. I think um, <laughs> Man United fans send, will probably enjoy that other, like... more than yeah. yeah, we could just send each other like all the gifts and memes and like oh, I've been getting so many today. It's been brilliant. There are like, like this is why the Premier League is the best league in the world because that can happen. <laughs> Manchester United, who are in the form of their lives, having their best season for probably the last eight, nine years or something, certainly in Premier League terms, go away to their biggest rivals who are probably having their worst ever season in the last seven or eight years and um they go and get spanked seven nil like where where do you even start like what <laughs> what do you what do you say um I, I mean look i don't think there's any point in us trying to break it down from a like oh what happened what went wrong because i don't really care to be honest but um 
what do you say? Like, like you say, I think you summed it up quite well, right? This is what the Premier League is all about. I mean, United have lost what? Yeah, seven nil to Liverpool. Was it six nil or six one six nil? I think to City. Four nil to Brentford. I want to say. Hopefully, hopefully, I've got those scorelines right. You know, they conceded three to us, but you know, like those three, those three defeats probably tell you a lot about United in terms of they're still, they are still a team kind of learning. They're, they're still a team that's sort of learning and probably still kind of similar to how Arsenal were a couple of years ago in some ways, right? A new manager and they're just trying to work out how they want to play. And, but I, I mean, look, to be honest, I'm saying that that's probably complete nonsense, really, what I've just said, because I'll, I'll, no, no matter what, you don't <laughs> go to, you don't lose 7-0 at, you know, they're pretty, yeah, Liverpool are their biggest rivals. You know, I know, I know they're not from a like geographical perspective, but they Liverpool Man United is the the rivalry is one of the rivalries in the Premier League, and you know everyone talks that game up. Um, and it's just yeah, it's not a game. It's not a it's not a fixture that you can afford to lose basically if you're Man United or Liverpool. So to go and get absolutely destroyed like that. I mean, I don't know, like, you know, if I was a Man United fan, I wouldn't be showing my face anywhere. Like, if can you imagine if Tottenham beat us 7-0? Like, can you imagine that? that uh, no, nah, I mean, I'm sorry, but I wouldn't come out of my house or do it, you talk to anyone for ages because that's just like, yeah, so it's pretty you unbelievable. Give, for... give up on the season. Just give up. There's no point. <laughs> if that happened, I would have been, if that happened first game of the season and we lost 7-0, I, I wouldn't care what happened for the rest of the season. Season's a failure. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. but... I, it's funny though, man. It is. It is really funny. And I think, look, I'm going to hold my hands up. And I think I was, and I still am a little bit worried about Man United, right? Because I know the gap is big and bigger now. And they've got a game in hand. And I, I don't know how many points it is. But look, I think Man United were, and Ten Hag had basically found a way to get a win. And that was basically give the ball to Marcus Rashford, mm. hope he can do something, and then just keep it tight enough at the back where we don't concede silly goals or we don't do anything silly. And I, and the reason I was worried was because you can probably string out half a season of good results just by doing that. Like we did it with Aubameyang, right? Arteta did it. It was like, just we're going to keep it tight and give the ball to Aubameyang and he's going to score goals and that's all we're going to do. We don't care about playing good football. We don't care about trying to like counter although they have played counter-attacking football sometimes man united but um and you know that's the that's basically the tottenham model it's worked for tottenham for about three or four years right where it's like we don't care about playing football we don't care about dominating games we've got two world-class players we're just going to give them the ball and they're going to score goals and then it will work up until it doesn't and what worried me about united was have they found a very very efficient productive winning system and it looked like for a while they have and what's nice to see now is when it doesn't work it really really doesn't work <laughs> and um that's reassuring because you know you could, i could have easily seen them going you know, away to anfield and just getting a one nil because rashford does something and they might still get close they could still they've got it in us to to get close but i think you've got is. to give credit to liverpool as well right I was just going to say, sorry. I mean, like Liverpool, I, I mean, Gary Neville didn't really seem to think so, which was quite funny in his post-match. But, you know, Liverpool, I felt, it, it did feel like everyone's saying it. Liverpool did, it did feel like the Liverpool of old in some ways, right? Um, and 
you know, I think when Liverpool play like that, and you know their front three, uh, obviously their front three scored a couple of goals each. And when Salah's on form, and you know Gakpo look, looked really good yesterday. Um, so yeah, I, I just think it's it's a very 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 hard team to to kind of um, contain. And you know, seven goals is a bit extreme, but you know, for Liverpool to, to to score like three or four goals, you wouldn't be that surprised because they have that in them. But yeah, I mean, the kind of last half an hour or whatever was just an absolute capitulation from United and. I think there's, I mean, that, it, yeah, like what you said, I completely agree. Because when you've watched, well, I don't watch United that often, to be fair, but when you watch them, like, you know, they don't, they never, I haven't really seen a style of play, which sounds a bit weird. But when you watch Arsenal play, and I'm not saying this just because I'm an Arsenal fan, when you watch Arsenal play, there's a clear way, there's a clear style, there's a clear kind of path to us scoring goals, if that makes sense, right? When you watch United, it's, there isn't. And it is very much a case of, yeah, like Rashford's in red-hot form, get him the ball and he will deliver. And yeah, I guess at some point that doesn't, you know, there's going to be certain games that doesn't work. But yeah, either way, you can't legislate for conceding seven, like I said before. So I can see we've got another question from Aravin. Thanks, Aravin. Should I put it up on the screen? Yeah, so Aravin asks, uh, do you think United are still a threat to Arsenal and City? I... Look, I'm not going to take anything for granted this season. I think unless it's mathematically possible, mathematically not possible that they can catch us, then I am going to think everyone is a threat. So I don't even know if we're safe from relegation yet. I'm not ruling that out. <laughs> six, 63 points. Yeah, I think we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we hit 40 points. So, yeah, we're fine. Um, but look, um, people are like very confidently predicting will be the Champions League this season, next season. Again, it would be the disaster, like a disaster of all disasters if we don't make the Champions League. But, you know, we're Arsenal fans. We have seen disasters happen. Um, you're, you're very, I um, think, you're scarred, aren't you? I think we all are. Are you not scarred? Are you not? I, I, I am, but I think... I still was... haven't recovered from the Newcastle game, mate. The 4-0, the 5-4 against Newcastle. I still haven't recovered from that. Yeah, there are certain, yeah, of course, there's certain, like, yeah, there's certain matches that just stay with you, regardless, 8 2 against United. Yeah, I'll never forget that. So I know what you mean, but I mean, it's a different team now, man. Like, it's a different team, obviously. It's a different, like, just the club is different, the team is different, the setup is different. So I, I, I'm not saying, look, I, I agree with you in the sense that you can't, you can never say never. And United, I think it was 14 points with a game in hand. So, you know, it's not necessarily, it's not uh, an insurmountable gap, but you would say that it would it would take a collapse. It would take a massive collapse for Arsenal to, for United to finish above Arsenal. If we're talking about like, um, you know, basically United would have to be perfect and we'd have to lose like four games out of our last 12 whatever like you know if you're talking sort of 14 points yeah so i, I can't i personally i can't to, yeah 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 i, I personally yeah, I you're can't not gonna win the league then yeah say you have to do it yeah yeah i personally can't see it happening but yeah i mean look you, you never know but that would mean that we have fallen off massively so hopefully that doesn't happen um and united have got you know europa league they, they're going to want to win that as, as we do but you know we've got bigger priorities and yeah the, they're in the FA Cup still as well so fingers crossed that just kind of distracts them a little bit yeah yeah I, I think I'd agree and I hope you're right I'm just always going to worry and just to finish on Liverpool they could have a very big say in where this title ends up because yeah. they have to go to the Etihad and the week after we go to Anfield and 
as great as it is to see Liverpool back, if that was the warm up for when they play us, um, I'm I'm concerned. But look, hopefully they use up all their energy the week before when they play City, and they can get something there. Well, they'll they'll in that game because like I think if you're Klopp, right? Klopp and Pep have had this rivalry for the last like I don't know four years let's say whatever last few seasons I think if you're Klopp you given the season that Liverpool have had I know they've got they're still fighting for top four and they're going to need to get Champions League football but Klopp will want to go to the Etihad and he will want to kind of say you know Liverpool is still here we're not like we're not mugs we're not like we're, we've had a bad season but we'll be back next season I think that's the game for him where he might look at it and think I want this team to really come turn up and I want us to put in a performance. And I'm not saying like, you know, that need, that means they're going to beat City or whatever, but I think that bodes quite well for us um, because hopefully it means it's a competitive game and it's not, you know, it's not like a, it's not, it shouldn't be a walkover for City because Liverpool, I think they'll come good in the second, like they're coming good now and I think they'll come good the, the rest of the season. I think they'll get top four, to be honest, because I think Tottenham are, Tottenham are like just awful basically. So um Yeah. Fingers crossed, like fingers crossed, Liverpool do turn up because that could be a really big game if they can drop some points, City. Yeah, I think that game when we go to Anfield is going to be the one for me where if we can go to Anfield and win, I think the City game is like two two weeks after that or something like that. I think that will really kind of, if, you know, if the running hasn't started now, that will be very much running territory. And it will really set a marker up for the rest of the season where it you know, kind of gives us a lot of confidence. And the, the downside is that if we go there and lose with the fixtures after that, that's where I think it possibly could get a bit ugly. Um, but look, this team have shown that they are more than capable of going to somewhere like Anfield and winning. And um, we've just got to hope there, you know, we don't get the little ball that turned up yesterday. Yeah, fingers um, crossed. Yeah. And then um, briefly, so all this talk of 94th, 97th minute winners and seven nils, um, Spurs losing has gone under the radar a bit, which I think is it's, you know, what's, you know what's funny about Spurs yeah. losing is that given what happened with us, no one cared. Like, as in, sorry, <laughs> no in the, within the Emirates, no one cared. Like, no one, I think it was just like Spurs lost. Oh, really? Okay. No one gave a shit, really. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, like I was just saying, I, I think Spurs are just oh, it's a bit weird, really, with Spurs, isn't it? Like, I, I mean, to be fair, I haven't even seen the, the highlights from their game, so I don't know what happened and how they played or anything. But I would put my money on Liverpool. If I had to put my money on someone, I'd put my money on, on Liverpool to finish top four. Um, Do you think Conte is here next season? Not if a not if a better job comes up for him. Um, obviously, I think he's ha- he's got like loads of personal stuff going. Obviously, I know he wasn't well. Yeah, he's got health. He issues, had some other so. personal personal stuff. So it might, you know, for that for those reasons alone, it might just mean he'd prefer to go back to Italy. Um, but from a football, the, uh, footballing, the debate on Spurs forums and Twitter is if they should get Poch back. I think there's a yeah. a fifty fifty divide, and some of them think. He should 100% come back. Um, some of them think his last season was an absolute shambles, and he he didn't even get that long in that last season, did he? Like the season he got sacked, I think he only got a couple of months, and then 
Uh, and maybe the season before that as well. They were uh, that was a Champions League final season, but the actual season wasn't wasn't great. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Tottenham fans are weird, man. Like, if your manager, ex manager, is <laughs> getting you to a Champions League final, like we've had one in the last well forever, basically. Yeah. So, you know, that's that. Like, you should probably stick with that manager if he's able to do that. You know, perform those sorts of miracles then just stick with him because he probably is going to end up delivering something fairly special for you. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And back onto proper football teams. Now we, uh, we play Thursday in the Europa league, and then we're probably not going to record again before this. So we'll briefly cover Fulham on Sunday as well. Look where, how does Arteta go from the ecstasy, the jubilation of Saturday to kind of resetting in a completely different competition, potentially different players. How do you motivate the squad? And we'll come on to who that squad should be, but how do you motivate the team for something which clearly now is second second choice or second priority? I mean, this is the thing, right? So I think two two things. One is in terms of how do you motivate like the, the 11 that go out there on Thursday? Well, I guess the majority of that 11 are probably not going to be, let's assume they're not going to be starters. They're, they're, sorry, they're not Premier League starters, right? So we, we, we're kind of going into the squad a little bit or using some of the squad players. Um, those guys that are going to get the opportunity on Thursday, their motivation from a personal perspective is, okay, if I perform today, if I perform like in, in this competition, if I perform tonight, it gives me a shot in a very competitive squad now, I would say, for maybe not a starting place against Fulham, but it puts... It puts me in the manager's thoughts, right? Kind of like what Reese Nelson has just done. You know, next time we need a goal in a game, Reese Nelson is probably going to be the guy, one of the first guys we call upon because it's, you know, it seems like he has that ability to deliver when it matters type of thing. So I think, I think that's the good thing about the fact that, you know, the Europa League means that a lot of players should just be, should the, the players that have to come in or get to come in, you know, their, their motivation is, they want more minutes and if they put in good performances, they might get more minutes in the league. I know we've got a pretty settled kind of first 11, but you know, that, that, that should be their motivation. Um, and I think also, look, if you're, even though it's a second priority, they will still want to win this trophy. Like it's a, ultimately it's a still a very, very big competition to win. And I know like for us in previous years, the prize has pretty much been, because we've been fighting for top four or sort of um, winning the Europa League was okay. That's our way back into the Champions League. So it's either we'll do it through the league um, or we'll do it through the Europa League. Um, and this season is very different, right? Because, you know, we should, we should have, well, we should secure Champions League through our league position, but just in terms of it being a tr- massive, like, you know, European trophy and a final, um, you know, I think that they will have that. Mo- I think that, that that's just a natural motivation for a footballer and for a football club to try and do as well as you possibly can in every single competition. Um, and I think so. I, I don't really have any concerns, to be honest, about, you know, like motivation or being up for the game. And yeah, of course, like we're all looking at it thinking, well, if Arsenal go out, you know, if we're if we in ten days' time, if Arsenal are out of the Europa League and we're going into that Palace game, we're just having to concentrate on the league. No Arsenal fan is really going to care. But I think if you're a player, you you don't necessarily you won't care if we end up winning the league. But at the same time, you have like they have pr- like pride in the sense they 
they don't want to be losing games. They don't want to be going out of competitions. So I think they'll just approach it like any other kind of cup competition or any other game where they feel like they need to go to Lisbon and get the right result and then, you know, finish the job off at the Emirates. And they'll want to just progress through the stages. And and then it becomes quite serious, right? Because if you think about it, man, if we get to the semis, for example, we will take it seriously. Like, I'm not saying you'll yeah. play the same starting 11 semi-final and then league game when you know, the, the following weekend when, you know, the title's up for grabs, but it will be taken seriously because we will want to get to that final and we want to win it. But yeah, like, I think there's enough motivation there, but I just, it's just going to be about like, yeah, squad balancing and, and rotation and, and getting, yeah, getting the balance of the team, right? Because it's, I think we've struggled with that this season when, when we've played a reserve team or a, or a you know, a second team for the cup games, we've struggled a little bit. Like you can see that the, the level changes massively but also i think the balance hasn't quite been there because our team at the moment the 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 first team is so well balanced it's so well balanced Mm -hmm. but as soon as you start changing some of the key players and you know essentially the spine of the team it really does like you really start to see yeah the drop off and, and and i think that's the tricky thing to get right yeah i think look with our first 11 we've got what's the word like specialists in every position right we saw it when we lost jesus it kind of knocked our attack a bit off balance but we've got ben white doing that inverted fullback thing we've got um zinchenko who can roam around the pitch we've got both two excellent ball playing center backs who can play under pressure who can play a high line um we've got thomas Partey who can you know we've seen when he's been out there's only one thomas Partey who can do thomas Partey things right Jorginho can do some of that but not all of it and when those players come into the squad if you put them into a very well working system where everyone else is doing their job it's okay we can carry one or two players who are not necessarily doing exactly what they need to be doing in terms of the ideal role but when you change everyone i think you just completely knock that system out completely and you almost have to play a slightly different system and then it's a question of how do you coach that do you coach that um but yeah i think i think actually if you're a squad player like you said it's a chance to kind of make a claim for a first team spot or if not a first team spot to be that kind of first substitute off the bench role yeah but actually you're probably thinking like if we get knocked out here i might not get another game from now until the end of the season um the likes of Jorginho. Uh, the, I mean, Jorginho might get on, he might get 10, 15 minutes off the bench. The likes of Smith Rowe, the likes of Nelson, the likes of Vieira, like there aren't going to be that many more games where we are going to be like, let's rotate. There are not many more Bournemouths at home. Right? We've seen the running, we've seen how it looks. And I think you're playing for, you know, like your place in this squad. And if you don't get a chance to impress now, like who knows come the summer if an offer comes in or if a another opportunity to bring another player who comes in you could be out like there have been rumors for Kirantini being linked away this summer i think he's yeah. if he really wants to stay at this club and i don't know what's going on in his head um you really have to take these europa league minutes um to show what you can do so look i think by the sounds of what you're saying earlier i think it sounds like you're pretty clear that no first teamers should be in that starting 11 come Thursday. Is that right? I, w- I wouldn't be unhappy if there weren't, but I think, I think there will be. So I think, he- I think he'll have to, I think, yeah, because I think if you look at 
who might be fit up front, like I think he's going to have to play Martinelli through the middle, unless I'm missing someone, unless he does something like a Smith Rowe false nine or something, which maybe he might. Anyone else? You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So he might end up having to play Martinelli. I think he didn't start Xhaka uh, against Bournemouth. I'm not sure, you know, there could be a load, uh, a number of reasons for that. Um, we can only guess at what that might be, what the reason is, but you know, you wouldn't be surprised to see Xhaka start, you know, having the experienced guy in midfield and you'd play Vieira generally... at like a number 10 or in Odegaard's role. Yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah, probably. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And then Jorginho behind, um, I think Nelson probably should start. So, like, okay, so who my team would be would be, I assume, like, unless I'm missing any injuries, players that are injured. So, Turner, Tierney, and Tommy Asu fullbacks. Central defense is always an interesting one because he likes Gabriel on the left. So, he might go holding Gabriel, but then just like, oh my God, imagine Gabriel gets injured. But anyway, let's say I'm going to go. You want to play Gabriel. Kibio? Uh, so, he's in my thoughts. But he hasn't even played any minutes for us yet, has he? So it's just, I mean... No, he played in the under-23s last week, but that was it, yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. So but, yeah, so in the first team, yeah, yeah. he played any minutes. So uh, he might just want go for the experience of Gabriel, maybe. Um, and then, yeah. Then why do you, why why do we buy someone like Kibior if we're not going to play him? Because like we we bought this guy. We we know what, we knew what the schedule was like, right? We knew we're not yeah. going to give him minutes. Well, Arteta knew that, look... The chances of me playing him in a Premier League game to give him minutes are very, very low. So surely, if we want any use for him I'm, this summer, yeah, this year, maybe, we're going to have. No, to... fair enough. Like, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe I'm wrong. Um, I just, I just feel like it's quite. You know, he's not come in at all. Like as in, he's not even come in and just got like a run out for a couple of minutes. Like even against Everton, we were four 0 up. Like we could have brought him on, right? So. That's just the only reason I'm thinking maybe he doesn't feel like he's quite ready or I don't know. But you could be right. You could be right. Maybe he does start. Um, but yeah, and then I guess ahead of that, Jorginho, I think he's back. Is he fit? He's back. He, he had an illness. Um, Jacques Vieira, Nelson, Martinelli. And I wonder if he might just play Saka again. No, um, I think if there's one player you keep out of that 11. No, I think obviously. The two, I, I the don't, two players I, don't I keep Saka out of Partey and Saka. Yeah. So I don't want Saka traveling, but who, okay. So who who like what's who do you feel who'll play like different to what I've just said? I think it'd be close to what you said. I think you're right, Mark, because of this issue up front. I don't know how far away Eddie is, and if he's just nowhere near fit. Yeah, I think if if there's a chance of us actually like almost rushing out, rushing Eddie, I actually think I'd rather play Eddie and Ketia and just pushing him to play for this game if there's a chance of Trossard being fit for Saturday. Um, obviously, if Trossard's not fit, then I think we should protect Eddie and try and get him on the pitch on Saturday, on Sunday. Sorry, But I think, yeah, if Eddie's not fit, I'd probably play Martinelli up front, Nelson on the right, Smith Rowe on the left, and I'd play Shaka. Oh, you know what? I forgot, yeah, I forgot, I forgot about Smith yeah, Rowe, to be honest. So. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, I sense. would... I'd play Kivio, I'd play... Then basically, what you said, I'd play Holding, I'd play Tierney, Tomiyasu, Turner, and that's not about eleven. That's um, you no, probably because there are not many players left. You probably then have to have a quite a decent bench because 
there's just no one else around. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe he gives Saka 20 minutes or he gives, you know, uh, someone like Odegaard 20 minutes just to keep them fresh and ready for Sunday. But look, Sunday is a priority. And you, know, you talk about like if we reach the semifinals, honestly, if we had a semifinal and we were in the position where we're in now, I would say play that same 11 that we just said in a semi-final and I'd be even if it was against Man United at Old Trafford I would say just play that I I just play that 11 I do not care like if we are like obviously it depends if we're not if we're falling behind and we're a few points behind City a bit different if we're still five points ahead and we've just got a win by the semi-final time it'll be like four games left Mm. I could not care less about the Europa League and I'd say like within reason, like if you're chasing a goal, you can bring on Saka for 20 minutes. But the stakes are so different. We we are going to regret if something happens in this Europa League that stops us winning the league. We are going to regret it for many many years because I don't know how close we'll come with like as yeah. lit like where it's just us and one other team. I think we'll still be around in many many years and we'll be in and amongst it. But with being five points clear now, if five points clear in April, honestly, just sod it. <laughs> yeah, can't disagree. Can't disagree. It would just be really interesting Interesting to see how he does manage it if that situation happens. But yeah, almost like wishing that we go out <laughs> next week. No, I think, like you said, I think it's important we keep the players fresh and fit and we have options off the bench. So I'm looking forward to seeing that 11 on Thursday. It's a good level of opposition to see like how far away they are. Mm. So yeah, let's see. Cool. So I'm going to do a dual prediction or ask you for a dual prediction wise. So first give me a prediction for Thursday and then give me a prediction for Sunday. So Lisbon and then Fulham. Lisbon away. Lisbon, I mean, like everything I've seen about Lisbon, not obviously don't watch them, but everything I've seen about them, it sounds like it should be a fair... <laughs> yeah, everything I've <laughs> seen is nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, well, sorry, what I meant to say was on kind of social media and people like, you know, talking about Lisbon and stuff like, you know, just like, I'm not actually, I don't actually watch them for 90 minutes, obviously, but um, <laughs> it sounds like it should be a fairly comfortable tie. I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying it'll be a comfortable game on Thursday, but I think we should be able to get through it pretty comfortably. Um, I'm going to, Go two one Arsenal on Thursday. Do you want to give your Lisbon prediction first? Uh, yeah, I will. I think we'll win one nil. I think it'll be scrappy because, like you said, this team when you, when you take so many players out, it's very hard to maintain the system that we have been playing for so long. Yeah. Um, but I think there'll be enough, especially if we can just maybe get Eddie back. I don't know how far away he is. I think if Eddie plays, I think he'll score and we'll win. Okay. So 1-0. One nil. Yeah. 1-0. One nil. Um, Fulham. I'm going to go... Oh, this part of me saying I think it's going to be a draw. I'm going to say 1-1, one, one, annoyingly. Um, really? I just think there's going to be the odd... Ge- yeah, like, I'd, I'm not saying... Like, we can obviously go and beat Fulham, and we should go and beat Fulham, but I think we're just maybe getting into the stage now where 
like 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 I was saying before, we're conceding goals, which is a bit of a worry, and no one's necessarily talking about it that much because we're winning games. But that might come back to cost us um, in a couple of games, and I think also we're just getting into that period where like the gate matches are tight and like I don't know it feels like the team at some points like when when we're defending we do look a little bit nervous at times and just just a little bit of a worry really that you know it's that kind of game it's you know they're they've been decent this season um and so yeah I could just see us maybe slipping up I'm not saying it necessarily costs us for the rest of the season but I just feel like these games are going to happen and this might be one of them um so yeah I'm going to go one one hopefully I'm completely wrong and we go and smash them but yeah okay um no i think it'll be a fairly comfortable win actually i think um we will struggle it'll be a tight game but i think we'll get the goals that we need and this is assuming trossard is fit i think if trossard is not fit and Nketi is not fit then it's a very very different game and there I do actually see us dropping points, but assuming Trossard is fit or Enketio is fit, then we'll be it'll be 2-0. 2-0, okay. I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus is like on the bench on Thursday. Really? I mean, I'm, think... I'm not I'm not I'm not basing that on like my any kind of intelligence I've got, like not my own personal intelligence, but you know, intel on the team <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but um yeah, like just from like he he did the warm. Did you hear that he did the warm down after the game on Saturday? Yeah, he was on the pit. He was on the uh, touchline, uh, yeah. high fiving all the players as they came off. He he was doing ball work apparently in the warm down. So yeah, I guess he's not far away. I can imagine them wanting to give him maybe some some minutes in the under under twenty threes or something like that to see how yeah. he does. Um, yeah, I'm kind of hoping. Well, there's Palace coming up and then there's an international break, I think, right? So Fulham, Palace, then I guess it's Leeds after that. Hopefully then Leeds is the one where we can um, have him back for, because that's, I'm just checking now, I think that's on the 1st of April. So you'd hope that's when he's back. I mean, if we if we win this league without having Hazers for basically three more than three months of the season... You should give... Tetra statue. Uh, I that is like that, honestly, yeah. you're right. I think. Look, we lot we didn't realize actually the scale of when the injury happened during the World Cup. Mm. I think we were all like, "Oh, it's a niggle. He'll be out for a while." If someone had told you then, what well, when was the World Cup? November, December. He'd yeah. be out till the end of March. We'd have been devastated, and I think we would have written off our title chances then, then and there, and it would have been done. And the fact that we have stuck in, we've come up with different systems and I've, you know, I've criticized Arteta and the way we've played Eddie and Ketia sometimes, but the fact that he's then come and changed it, whether or not that was forced or not, we'll never know. But then to come up and then change it for Everton and Villa, or no, I guess against Villa he played. Did Trotter play up front against Villa? No, he didn't. Um, Yeah, but to consistently do that against Everton and just make things work. I think was is impressive and yeah if if like the big if if we um if we can get over the line this period should not be 
um, underestimated as how well this team have done. Yeah, no, I agree. Completely agree, mate. Cool. Well, Mize, thank you very much for joining me. Um, I hope you Cheers, enjoyed mate. joining and being part of my first hosting experience. Um, <laughs> I think Roger's, uh, those... Roger's got some competition. <laughs> uh cool thank you very much for uh joining us um as always if you are listening or you're watching live please subscribe we do appreciate it if you're listening on the podcast please write us a review and give us five stars we'll really appreciate that or at the very least least just tell people about us because we'd love it if you did um until next time thank you very much see you later see you guys